Welcome to the Fearless Vampire Podcast. I'm on a heartfelt mission through the art of conversation and storytelling to inspire women to pursue their creative entrepreneurial journey with reckless abandon. I'm your host, Taylor, a six-figure photographer and business coach based in Colorado. I'm a right-brain mompreneur to two toddler boys, devoted deep conversation holder, and your personal alpaca cuddle liaison. My hope is that you leave our time together feeling empowered and energized to build your dream life. Learn more at fearlessvampire.com. If you are a creative entrepreneur, then it's no surprise to you that we live in an era where there are limitless ways for you to communicate with your dream clients. Building the no like, and trust factor in business has never been more crucial, and there is certainly no shortage of ways to get your face and voice out into the world. From Instagram, Facebook, email lists, TikTok, Google, websites, blogging, vlogging, YouTube, storefronts, the list literally goes on and on. But I have a sneaking suspicion and a bet that you have never thought about hosting your own podcast. It probably hasn't hit your radar, but nowadays, podcast hosts are on their own level of intimacy with their followers. And although it's a daunting task, we have a very special guest here with us today who is going to shed a beautiful light on what it really looks like to host your own podcast as a creative preneur, the top benefits of utilizing this platform, and her experience of going from a wedding photographer to a marketing specialist in the corporate world to now a thriving business owner and podcast host, Haley Gaffin. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me, Taylor. I'm honored to be here. Yay. Well, Haley, I want to hear about your podcast. It's called Clocking In. How did you come up with that title? First and foremost, where did where did Clocking In come from? Well, if you are a Dolly Parton fan, then you should be uh, listening to my podcast. <laughs> because I actually, I went through and I mean, I think naming a podcast can totally hinder you from actually launching. And that's what hindered me for the longest time of like, I don't want it to be just Haley Gaffin or, you know, whatever it is. I wanted something that meant something. And for me, I literally was listening to the nine to five song and I was like, huh, I don't clock in to work anymore as an entrepreneur, but I technically clock in when I work. So it came to me as a way to clock in and out of like, I have this business, but also I am my own person outside of it. So I'm going to be on as an entrepreneur when I clock in and off as an entrepreneur when I clock out. So that's really where it came from. That's beautiful. And I, it was just such a funny, like juxtaposition, is that the right word of clocking in? And you always say at the end, clock this, this is Haley Gaffin clocking out. (laughs) And I was like, that's so funny because she's not even, she's not even speaking to nine to fivers or anybody in the corporate world, really, that you're, you're mostly speaking to entrepreneurs. And so it was just such a, a witty title. I love it. Haley, will you share with us about your story? As I mentioned before, you were a wedding photographer. We were chatting right before the show about where you started in college and just share with us how you got to be where you are and hosting your own podcast and running such an incredible business. Yes, thank you. I So I started in college photographing. I actually started in high school in like a photography club. And when I got to college, I was just taking pictures of friends for fun. I took a photography class and then someone asked me to shoot a wedding. And I was like, I can make money shooting a wedding. So (laughs) 
<laughs> I did. And I mean, I made $200 because that was what I thought my time was worth back then. Yep. Me too. I think that, <laughs> that, I'm pretty sure that's what I charged for my first wedding. It was like somebody I met through someone at church and they yes. were like, can you shoot this wedding? How much? I was like, I don't know, 150, 200 yeah. if I'm feeling crazy. <laughs> yes. And I, I'm pretty positive that that included an engagement session, but Oh, nailed it. (laughs) Yes. So I started shooting, got a little smarter, charged a little bit more, but I was working like part-time jobs too, just trying to get through college. And once I graduated, I went straight into the advertising world because I majored in advertising. So I worked in ad agencies and marketing firms, and then just never really saw being an entrepreneur as an option, which we can talk about a little more, (laughs) but I found a remote position where I could be a marketing contractor. And that offered the opportunity to work on a podcast. And I fell in love with podcasting. And then the pandemic hit and work just kind of, you know, people were losing hours at work. And I was one of those people. So my hours got cut in half. And I replaced it with helping others launch their podcast. And I was like, wow, I can make a living doing this. I can build my own brand. And i had always had this like side hustle of I had a couple of podcast clients already that were friends, but like I could do this with people I've never met. I could help anyone who's never worked on a podcast do it because there's so much that goes into it. And that's kind of how Gaffin Creative was born. In January of 2021, it started my official full time of Gaffin Creative and it was no longer the side hustle I'd been doing for 10 years. (laughs) I love that story. And I love that Part of what the fearless vampire is about is those moments where it's like either so dark or you're like, how could this possibly happen? How could I lose my job? How could, how could, how could, how could, and then this beautiful business grows out of it. What did that feel like? What did that like, not dark period, but that period of like, okay, my hours are getting cut. Everybody's hours are getting cut. Cause not, not just the pandemic. I mean, that obviously lots of people were losing jobs, but Somebody could walk into work today and be like, hey, I'm set. I'm safe. All my eggs are in this basket. And they get laid off for no reason Mm -hmm. whatsoever. What was that like for you navigating that to then building this beautiful thing? Well, yeah, I think you made such a good point of it could happen to anyone at any time, especially when all your eggs are in one basket in one company. And for my entire life, I believed that a corporate position with benefits was the only option. Like I said, entrepreneurship, just I didn't see myself doing it. If you weren't in a corporate position, it wasn't stable. That's what entrepreneurship was to me was unstable. And I was so, they're just, being a photographer full-time wasn't an option. Doing this, I mean, who knew 10 years ago that podcast producers would be a thing, right? Doing this was not something that I ever saw. I never saw a full-time career as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And so the main reason was stability. I wanted a job that paid me a consistent income every single month. And the second the pandemic happened, I saw so many people losing their jobs. Mm -hmm. I was lucky not to be affected immediately. I had a few months and then what we all thought was only going to last a short period of time, never like we didn't reopen as fast as everyone thought we would. And so my hours got cut in half. And I remember getting a phone call and I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to pay for things? What am I going to do? I looked at my husband and I said, I've been considering going full-time on my own for a little while doing podcasting. Maybe this is the time to try it. And so 
I went and got a few clients and I was like, okay, this can work. I can make this happen. So about December of 2020 was when I was like, oh, this is it. I'm doing what I've seen so many photographers do. I'm doing what some of my friends in the entrepreneur space are doing. It's a possibility. So I turned in my notice at the corporate position that I, I was still part-time in for that six-month period, but I was like, I can, I can do this. So I think I had like a split second where I had a little panic attack of, oh, naturally, yeah. <laughs> how am I going to pay my bills? How, what are we going to do? And it just kind of fell when I was going on vacation and I had spent money on taking this <laughs> trip and I was like, oh no. So it was scary, but at the same time, it opened the door to possibilities that in my mind were never there. Yeah. But had that not happened, I don't know that I ever would have done this. I don't think I would have taken the leap myself and said, quit this stable career and go do this thing on your own. Like my brain was not wired to do that. I had not been taught that. I had, I had been taught go after stability, keep that consistent income in and all this stuff you're doing on the side is just extra fun money. Yeah, it's it's funny that you bring that up because my mom, she taught at the university. I went to West Virginia University. My mom taught there. And for the longest time, she kept telling me to take entrepreneurship classes. And I was like, nope, never going to happen. <laughs> but it's so funny because my mom, I think, was trying to like vicariously live through me because she was like, I want nine to five. I want to know what my job is, what I'm getting paid. Don't talk to me outside of those hours of nine to five. And so I thought that that's what I wanted. And honestly, Haley, it wasn't until Mike and I have been entrepreneurs for 10, 12 years now, full-time entrepreneurs. And it wasn't until maybe six months ago that even we shifted out of this mindset of, oh, corporate safe, corporate safe. And then the last few months we've been like, we have our eggs in like 15 baskets. If one branch of our business just left or plummeted, we still have other branches of our business and not just business, but Mike is a graphic designer and he has probably seven clients who just think that he hung the moon. Mike's like, even if one of my clients decided that they didn't like me anymore, I still have six others. And so it wasn't until probably in the last six months that we started actually feeling really safe in the possibility of something happening or us losing business somewhere. But yeah. even us, it took us 10, 12 years <laughs> to be like, oh, we are safer. Yeah. Well, I think you made a great point because during the pandemic, if you were a photographer and that's all you did, you lost right. a ton of income or you kept the income, but you had to reschedule and have so much work back to back when the mm -hmm. fall came around or the next year. And that's one thing I've tried really hard to focus on since the pandemic happened is having all these diversified revenue streams of, I do have, I still have my photography business. I still do headshots and branding sessions. I have my studio that I rent to other photographers, which even that I had during the pandemic. And I basically had three months where I couldn't rent it out because we were on a stay at home order. And then I have my podcast production company. And I think having all these revenue streams, but then add that other layer of different clients. <laughs> it's so yes, nice because there are, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm not perfect. I've lost clients and they go on to other producers or they take it in house or they stop their podcast. There are so many things that happen in the space of being an entrepreneur that you can't really account for. And it just happens and you learn to adapt to it. But losing one client isn't losing my full-time job. It is right. 
a piece of my monthly income that I am having to replace and find someone else and, you know, sell other things. But you learn that that's not nearly as bad as losing half of your hours in a month. Right. Well, and I mean, even like you just touched on, even if you were solely a wedding photographer and you didn't have any other spaces that you shoot in, even if you lost half your clients, I feel like that year we had clients who were like, we're doing whatever we want anyway. And we had clients who were like, no, we're pushing it off. And so even if you were only in that wedding world, there were still like a whole bunch of clients who were doing their own thing, come hell or high water. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. I want to know, Haley, when you moved into the podcast world, I imagine that the same concerns and limiting beliefs that you had about running a, not just running your own podcast, but then teaching others how to host a podcast. What were some of those limiting beliefs? Because I can almost guarantee that anybody listening, myself included, has those right now because it's a very vulnerable space to be in. Yes. One of the limiting beliefs is that there are too many podcasts out there. (laughs) And I mean, I get it. You have, you're basically asking people to listen to you and it is vulnerable in that you're giving your opinion and you have to put yourself out there, but then you also have to compete with all these other podcasts. But the reality is if your podcast only has 20 downloads an episode, it still can be a successful podcast, Mm -hmm. which is another limiting belief of what makes a successful podcast. But I think that you can have a really powerful podcast with the right content and the right messaging and the right strategy that benefits your business, especially as an entrepreneur in the education space. But not only that, if you're trying to build a podcast just to establish yourself in your industry, I think that's valuable too. But think about a podcast like Instagram. You're not sitting there saying there are too many people or there's already too many Instagram accounts out there. (laughs) You know, like we're putting all this content and time into making reels and even TikToks and we're on every platform, you know? So I don't think that there are too many podcasts out there. I think that there are a lot of people who go into podcasting with the wrong mindset of, I want to get popular and I want to grow a podcast that just makes me rich. If you're not going into a podcast with the intention of serving someone, you're going into it for the wrong reason. Because monetizing a podcast is not as easy as it sounds. No, (laughs) And it doesn't even even sound that easy. (laughs) But like getting a sponsorship for a podcast does take time and relationship building and getting the downloads. But you can do it and you can monetize in other ways. So those are a couple of limiting beliefs that I just, I think it's easy to overcome them if you take the time to really dive into why you're building a podcast. That was so beautifully said, Haley. If you're not in it to serve, then you're probably in it for the wrong reasons. Because I know for me, I needed a creative outlet that I wasn't getting paid for. And I have a huge servant's heart. I mean, I love teaching. I love education. I have my coaching business. But I knew that with how relational I am, I knew that I was going to attract those kind of people. And so I was like, well, you know, I can't just host a cold launch and expect people to sign up and pay thousands of dollars to work with me. They're going to be probably equally as relational. And I want a platform where I can connect with them, serve them 
and let myself be creatively expressive without there being money attached to it. So one of my, one of my girlfriends was like, you could easily monetize this. And I was like, that's fine. I have no interest (laughs) in monetizing it. I just want to have conversations and find a new way to serve. And I just, I think there's something so special about creating without getting paid for it, especially for creative entrepreneurs, because everything we do has some money attached to it whenever we're doing it as a career. Like sometimes I'll give away a free photo shoot just so I can make whatever I want and not have, you know, somebody else's opinion. Not that I don't want it, but there is this level of freedom that you get when you do things for free. So that was so beautifully said. Thank you. Yeah. And with my podcast, I will say like there are ways for business owners to monetize. I my technically I don't make any money directly from making my podcast, but I'm building myself as a professional and an expert in my field of podcasting on my podcast cuz I talk a ton about strategy and monetizing and all the things related to podcasting and I'm doing that to set myself up as that expert so that people trust me so that when they are ready for a podcast launch they think of me if they've listened to my episode or if they come to me and I'm like, yeah, I don't know if you're quite ready for a podcast launch, but when you are, here's a few episodes you should check out. And then they listen and then they get into that mindset of, okay, I can use my podcast this way. Like it is providing that resource for them, even if they're not quite ready. And I mean, that can work for non-podcast related podcasts. (laughs) Sorry, that's a lot of podcast words. But like photography education or coaching clients or, you know, there are so many ways, even if you have your own product line that's separate from your brand. So like t-shirts and stickers and bags, stuff like that, you can still monetize your podcast while serving. You just have to, your service, sorry, (laughs) service should be the very first thing that you're considering when you're creating your content for your podcast. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to jump so much deeper into this topic because for me, I feel like I was one of those kids who always had like a reality show. Like what is, is it like the, the uh, Truman show? Like I felt like I just had these people who were like clapping for me everywhere I went. And I was like, ah. And so once Instagram came out, it was like having your own reality TV show. And I remember thinking, these stories aren't long enough. I have so much that I want to say and talk about and share with people, but I only get, what is it, like 30 seconds on a story? Or if, if you combine all the all the screens, you get 30 seconds. And so once I started doing Instagram lives and people were coming and asking questions that, I mean, I had already had that seed planted about a podcast. And this is five years ago. I wish I had started five years ago. And it goes back to that, like, is this market oversaturated? Like, am I too late to the game, like the podcast game? But it was just such a great way to be expressive. And like you said, like build relationships. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I've been working on podcasts since 2017. And I didn't launch my podcast until a year ago. So in March of 2021, I launched my podcast. And that was after being in the podcasting space for what, four years, I think. And I just, the reason I did it was partially for business of, can you trust a podcast production company that doesn't even have a podcast? (laughs) Fair. (laughs) So I partially did it for that. But then also I did have a ton of things I wanted to talk about and a lot of concepts that didn't really make sense in a blog post that, you know, most of my audience, if they are looking to start a podcast, they're probably podcast listeners as well. So I definitely... I mean, I'm right there with you. I wish I had started sooner, uh, but I started it with my business as well. So it it kind of 
timing for me was okay, but I do wish I had started sooner. Right. Absolutely. It's like all the people who invested in the the, the cryptocurrency. I'm like, eh, we missed that ship. But Yes. Yes. <laughs> I want to know, Haley, what has been one of your favorite failures? Okay. So I actually did, I lost a client because I wasn't providing strategy. When I lost the client, it was just kind of, we're not going to renew our contract. I went to them and I said, okay, I would love to know why. Is it you're taking it in-house? Is, was there anything you were missing? And they straight up told me, you're not providing strategy. And in my mind, I didn't even think. This person had been a podcaster for a while. She had a strategy coming into it. And I was like, oh my goodness, I, I'm really not providing that strategy. And I, it was a big client, a good, solid client that I lost at the end of the year. And I was like, I need to fix this. That day, I emailed every single client and I said, before the end of the year, schedule a client strategy call with me for January. And I want to get on a call with you and strategize the next quarter of your podcast. And I've implemented that into every single client. Everyone gets a quarterly strategy call where we jump on and we're either planning every episode and sending out every email to every potential guest, or we're creating the ads and the content that's going to go into those episodes in a way that serves their business. And I think, like, I know that's not a huge, huge fail because clients come and go, but that failure taught me so much about the service I'm providing. But then also that, like, I could accept feedback from a client that no longer wants to work with me and still be on good terms with them. Yeah, this is powerful on so many levels, Haley. Like you said, losing one client, we literally just talked about that. Like if we lose one client, we'll figure it out. But you were able to pivot in such a beautiful direction because of that. And you also said something that I respect, I could receive feedback. And I have had, I have worked with business coaches. I have worked with client who could not receive feedback. And I'm like, I want to give you feedback because this could be better if you implemented X, Y, or Z, but they didn't want to hear it. They never asked for it. They never sent out. And I, I know with my students that I coach, Ooh, I do not, I do not have a thick skin. And I tell them this on our last call. I'm like, I don't have a thick skin, but I need you to be honest with me about how I can make this better. And literally, I wish I could just crawl into a hole and let my mm -hmm. my assistant read the feedback. But I know that I have to get emotionally prepared to sit and read the feedback. Not that it's all bad, but I, again, I don't have a thick skin. So if somebody's like, uh, these calls were a little too long, I'm like, oh, no, I just lose it. And so not that anybody's ever complained about that specifically, but it's so beautiful that you took that experience and immediately hit the ground running. So it doesn't have to be a huge loss, but it's what you do with it. Yeah. And I'll say I didn't take the feedback like, oh, yeah, okay, I can move on with this. No, I mean, like my skin was boiling because I was so nervous and so embarrassed. And like I had that feeling of I just completely screwed up this client because they were an ideal client. Like they were everything I wanted, batch recorded, did everything right, never had to complain about them. And then I lost the client. Like it was my fault. And I was like, how can I fix this? How can I make sure this never, ever happens again? And not that I'll never lose another client, but it's not going to be because I'm not providing the strategy that they need. And I've guaranteed that for the rest of my business as, it's amazing. as long as I'm producing for people. <laughs> Do you watch The Office? 
I do. <laughs> that episode where Michael and Dwight go to get all their clients back with the fruit baskets. Yes, you have a Dundee Award. <laughs> For those like Jesse, I pulled out a Dundee Award. <laughs> I need that. That is so, that was so perfectly said. And I want to know, Haley, who is your ideal client? Because you said that you lost one of your dream clients. Who gets you up in the morning? There is a difference between an ideal client and an easy to work with client. Right. And mine kind of falls in the middle of both because I can have this ideal client of what their business is and how they're using their podcast. But then an ideal client that works as far as systems and workflows is totally different. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as far as like business, I love working with people who are using their podcasts to grow their business, but also see the value in creating consistent content. Most of my clients are going to be female entrepreneurs. And that somehow or another, that's just always been the case. I've I've launched a few podcasts for men and they're out there, but I just, I think relationship wise, I get along so well with my clients that are women. And a lot of my clients have become really good friends of mine. We've planned trips together, but that would be my ideal client of someone who is using a podcast to grow their business while serving. And then on the other end of things where it's like, What's a great client experience for me to have is someone who's batching their content, someone who's working ahead. And then that just makes our working relationship so much easier. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh my gosh. I So say somebody is interested. They've, they've been thinking about starting a podcast. They're not quite sure if it's part of their business plan or if it makes sense. What would you tell them if, if you were on a phone with somebody and you said, here are the three biggest benefits for why you do need a podcast, what would they be? Yes. So the first and foremost is setting yourself up as an expert in whatever field you're in. If that means that you want a passion project podcast, find your reason for it. I don't think that every podcast needs to be a business-based podcast. That's just what I work best with because I know how to strategize those podcasts best. When it comes to passion projects, you are forking out a lot of money for podcast production if you're hiring it out or you're spending a ton of time on it. And in order to make that money back, you have to have sponsorships or ways to make money <laughs> in order to pay for right. it. Um, so that would be my first piece of advice. And then the second benefit would be I love providing show notes for my clients. And the reason I provide show notes, especially for creative entrepreneurs, is for SEO purposes. You, you just can, did a blog on that. Or not, I, not blog. You just did an episode on that. I just geeked out on yes. it. <laughs> I, I like that is such a huge part of my strategy for clients that are doing show notes because I do have clients that don't use their show. Like they don't have a blog post or show notes for their podcast. But if you are creating blog posts and show notes and you're creating content around whatever your specialty is, those show notes are helping your SEO. So when I look back at all of my podcast episodes and all of the content I've created, and I'm looking at my Google Analytics and Google Search Console, that's what's bringing people into my website yeah. is that content. People are searching for, does a podcast help with search engine optimization? Or you know whatever the keyword phrase is, I'm creating content based around that. So that's another benefit. So this is a side note. I remember Jenna Kutcher talking about Doing one thing and then utilizing it for lots of other things. And I'm butchering it completely. 
but repurposing that content. And this was probably five, six years ago when I was like, well, I did an Instagram post. Like, how do I repurpose this? <laughs> I didn't have an email list. I had, I, I had a blog, but it was specifically for weddings. Now that I have a podcast, I'm like, Oh, okay. So I've got show notes. I'm going to send this to one assistant. My other assistant's going to do this with it. Then we're going to blog it. Then we're going to use it as an email. Then we're going to use it as an Instagram. You do the work for one podcast episode and you've got tons of content. Yeah. I think the key is that long form piece of content to start with. And then basically what you're doing is marketing that one piece of content across all of these different platforms. But that's new content on every single one because while you may have a similar audience on your newsletter and on your social media, they're not seeing everything. When you're creating that content, it's so much easier to do all the other content. I don't even think about my social media very much anymore because I know that I have at least two posts a week for my Instagram. Mm -hmm. And that's my podcast episode and my blog So I do an educational blog post about podcasting in some capacity every single week. And like, I'll be honest, I don't even write it. I have a copywriter on my team that writes it. So I'm taking her words and I'm putting it on my social media. And then I'm putting it in my newsletter and I'm putting it on LinkedIn and I'm putting it, I'm trying to think of where else I put it, Pinterest. And so I'm essentially taking one piece of content, even if I'm not creating it, and I'm making like 10 other pieces of content out of that one piece. And that's another, I mean, that's another benefit of having a podcast is while you're putting in the efforts of creating a podcast episode, you're putting in a lot less effort on marketing on social media. (laughs) Right. Well, and if, and if I can add one more piece too, to the, to the SEO bit, it works for you for a long time time. You can spend forever on a friggin' TikTok video and it's going to be there for a while and then it's going to go away or people just aren't going to see it. But when you do the work for SEO and for Google, that's going to serve you for years and years and years. But it's not that quick reward, which we're also used to. Like if I post a reel and it doesn't have at least a thousand views in the first 10 minutes, I'm like, oh, it wasn't even (laughs) worth it. But with SEO, I know that if I do the work now, this time next year, it's going to be showing up on hopefully the first page of Google or showing up on Pinterest. It just, it works so much harder for you when you do that much more work. Oh yeah. And I think too, if someone was like curious about if SEO is actually going to work for them, do a, a blog post every other week for the next six months. And in six months, then you start tracking. Is this working? But yeah. promote people to to the content. Like send them to your website from Pinterest, send them from Instagram, send them from your newsletter. Don't just let that sit on your website. You have to actually promote it a little bit. But yeah. <laughs> like I've noticed since I launched my podcast, since I launched my blog, that my traffic has quadrupled since the time when I didn't have my blog, you know, and I'm doing the same thing that I was doing then. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, okay. So we have the first reason or first benefit is to grow your business, to actually grow your reach in your business. Second benefit is for search engine optimization to get found by your dream clients and build that trust. What would your third biggest benefit be for a creative entrepreneur to host their own podcast, Haley? It would be for making connections because I think having uh, in our industry, especially being online for so many of us, not that our businesses are technically online, but we have this community online of Mm -hmm. people we can connect to. And it just opens the door for you to 
have interviews like this where I can connect with you because you have a podcast and I can come on and talk to you. And me bringing people on my show opens the door for me to connect with people that maybe I've never talked to before, mm-hmm. but I want to invite them on my show. So building that those connections and having the networking opportunities that a podcast can bring are so, I, I feel like it's so beneficial in this space, not only to grow your own business and get in front of other audiences, but also just to connect with people that are doing similar things to you and running a business in this world that we live in. <laughs> right, right. So what would your first step be? What, what would you tell them first and foremost? Because you, you said earlier, don't get hung up on the name, which I totally <laughs> agree with because I could not, as soon as I picked Fearless Vampire, my, my husband was like, are we sure? And I was like, I'm sure I'm done. <laughs> I'm not thinking about this anymore. It's yeah. been five years. <laughs> but what would you say to this person, what would the first step be? And, and I know that you mentor on this. So this is part of what you do. Um, so I would, I would love to hear. Yes. So my very first step is make sure that you have the time to dedicate to it. Mm-hmm. Whether that means you have the time to record or that you have the time to edit if you're not going to outsource. This could be an hour a week just to record and hand the rest off. It could be four hours a week if you're going to do it all on your own. Make sure you have the time before you commit to it because you don't want to get four episodes in and what we call pod fade where you stop producing episodes. That was one of my husband's biggest concerns. He was like, you can't not do this once you start. And I was like, I know, but I really want to do it. Yes. And like, I, I cut my workload by half this year by 50%. I took on 50% less yeah. clients, less weddings. <laughs> Oh, it felt so good to get some time back. and But I love all my couples and I did book more than I intended to, but it's because I love them all. But I knew that this podcast was important to me. And, and again, I wasn't looking for a way to monetize it. I did want to grow my reach and build those relationships with people. And if they wanted to work with me, then that would be wonderful. But Mike was like, you've got to be ready to commit and you've got to have first he said you've got to find a producer and I was like I will do that and he said and you've got to plan out an entire year's worth of content and so I started a notepad in my phone and wrote down 52 ideas and people that I wanted to interview you were on that short list Haley you were one of the first people (laughs) but I was like I have all these people that I want to talk to and have real conversations with but I also have things So it actually didn't take long for me to get to 52 topics. And right now, right now we're actually releasing bi-weekly. And so I technically have enough content for, I guess, almost two years, but I would love your professional opinion. Selfishly, how often should you be, how often should you be posting for, for somebody again, who's like, I don't know, do I have the time to commit to this? What's your professional opinion on that? So my opinion is consistency is the best route to go. So if that means that you're posting once a month, post once a month. Don't skip a month. If that means you're posting every two weeks, you set that as your, I can't go less than this. If you want to throw out bonus episodes and say like, hey, this is a bonus episode, that's fine too. Make sure that you're staying on whatever consistent schedule it is. As a producer and strategist, using the like strategy brain, Apple podcast app has a 14 day automatic download minimum. So like if I'm producing a podcast or releasing episodes every two weeks. That is the minimum that I would recommend is every other week. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is if you are not releasing a brand new episode every two weeks, Apple will pause automatic downloads for your podcast on any of your subscribers who have selected to receive automatic downloads. Ooh, 
that's so interesting. Yes. So this is something that they came out with in the fall of 2021, I believe. I think that was the first time I had heard about it. And I was like, oh, moving all my clients that are on a monthly schedule to this. (laughs) Yeah. And so at minimum, every 14 days. Uh, So if that's like every other Tuesday, make it every other Tuesday. We're on the every other Tuesday schedule. Nice. I love it. (laughs) Um, I will say too, like if you as a podcaster ever want to take a break, you can and just throw out a bonus episode during that month of, so it would, you'd end. And then two weeks later, it would be a bonus episode of, hey guys, just a reminder, we're on a break for the summer or we're on a break for whatever reason. We want to make sure that you check out some of our most popular episodes. Like it could be as simple as that. And as long as it's, I think it's three minutes, you're still staying in that automatic download. And then two weeks later, you can come back from your month long break. And that episode will take you five minutes to record, probably five minutes to edit and throw up on your podcast hosting platform. Well, I think that's one thing too that people don't realize is that you don't have to have a 60 minute podcast. I mean, all my interviews tend to be about 60 minutes and we're like creeping up over 40 minutes here. But if you are recording solo podcasts, I mean, I just, I just started doing the fearless 15 is what I call it. And it's 15 minutes where I ask commonly asked questions about business and photography and just creative, like running a creative business. I answer them in 15 minutes. But I recorded one the other day and it was only 12 minutes. And then I recorded one that same day and it was 22 minutes. And so it doesn't have to be super lengthy to get to your point. Yeah. I mean, the majority of my episodes are about 10 minutes long. I don't want to share too much fluff in my episodes. My interviews are a little longer. I interviewed my brother on my podcast and it was like 45 minutes long, which was... I could not believe. (laughs) (laughs) I, I think there's definitely a time limit. I don't recommend doing an hour and a half episodes. If you do split them into two episodes, it's easy enough to, for a podcast producer to make it into two episodes versus one. That would be one of my recommendations. If, if you are looking at timing, you don't have to worry about it as much as people think my 10 minute episodes are just as powerful in my opinion as my 18 minute episodes. That's awesome. So what is your favorite episode that you've recorded Haley? I actually have like three that come to mind. (laughs) Yay. Um, Tell us all of them. Okay. My first one was my very first episode I ever published. And it was five lessons my mom taught me about money. Ooh, money. It's not a topic I talk about a ton. I would love to do more episodes on it, but I, I just find a hard time fitting them in. But yeah, it was five lessons my mom taught me about money and they're very witty, but also good. <laughs> so that was my favorite. And then my interview with my brother was probably one of my other favorites. He works in a small business and we just kind of talked about how in the entrepreneurship space, we talk so terribly about corporate or there's this bad connotation of if you're not full-time in your business, then you're not successful. And so I, for a long time, just didn't see myself as an entrepreneur because I was part-time. But then I look at my brother who works in a small business and is doing so well supporting someone else's brand that they're growing, but then also carrying products from other small businesses. And we just talked a lot about that. And I came out of the interview and I was like, dude, you're really smart. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So the last one is me and my husband paid our house off in five years. And so I recorded Stop an it. episode. <gasps> Congrats, Haley. Oh my Thank gosh. You. It happened in the middle of the pandemic a week after I got my call that I was being laid off 
by half my hours. And we were like, we're going to make this work. That is amazing. Congratulations. I'm clapping for you. No, thank you. That's amazing. It was a lot of hard work, but I think if you make it your goal, it's, you can make it happen. It's not for everyone, but if it's part of your journey and you want it to happen, you can cut things out and find ways to make it work for you. I love that. Yeah. Going back to what you said about your brother and this conversation around the corporate world, this is way out of left field, but my four-year-old <laughs> has a chicken egg selling business. And he found out that I have a podcast and every time one of our, our episodes releases, I go listen to it and I have it playing in the background. And so for a few months, he's been asking if he can be on my podcast. And I was like, yes. all right, like we're not doing anything. And now that you have a business, yes, we, I can interview you. And so we came up here to our, to our studio and I interviewed him and I said, buddy, why did you want to start a business? He goes, I needed a drone. And like, it was so like... <laughs> Black and white. Like I needed a drone. This provided money. I have chickens. It made sense. And so we're still trying to figure out if we're actually going to release the podcast. Do it. It was like eight minutes long. Yeah, And (laughs) and he would go, what am I supposed to say? It was super cute. But I was like, oh my gosh, business can just be like, you know, a means to an end. He needed a drone. He needed to pay for it. (laughs) He had chickens, he sold their eggs to pay for his drone. And now he's like, oh, I keep getting money. Okay. So he's just, it's just so funny how like businesses can serve so many different roles. And I think I needed to talk to my four-year-old to realize like, ah, (laughs) not everybody needs to do this full time. Sometimes they really just need a creative outlet or they want to make some side money. Yes. I mean, that's, I spent nine years doing it that way where it was just to pay off student loans, to pay off a house, to pay off whatever I wanted to do on the side for fun. It doesn't have to be full-time if you're an entrepreneur. And I, it took me a long time to, I couldn't even say, hey, I'm Haley, I'm a photographer. It was, hey, I'm Haley, I work in advertising and I do photography on the side. Like ah. <laughs> it took me so long to embrace those nine years of working as a side hustle in my business, that was entrepreneurship. Yeah, I had the steady income coming in in the corporate world, but I still managed to make all this side money while working a 40-hour work week. And in my opinion, I think it may have been a little harder for me to do it then. Like, Right. <laughs> you know, oh, absolutely. 60, 70 hours a week. Why do we do that to ourselves? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. My dad decided to go back to school. He's in his 70s. And he's like, honey, school's hard. And I'm like, are you kidding me? What? Like I was working four jobs, starting my own business and in school. I get it. Like (laughs) I totally get it, dad, please. And I, and I was trying to pay rent because I wasn't living with my parents. So I was just like, yeah, I I know. And I'm like, how did I do that? Mm -hmm. I worked two jobs in college. I did my photography business, which to be honest, those first couple of years, I wasn't even charging a hundred a hundred dollars a session. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I was definitely losing money, but I was doing that, going to school full time. How did I get everything done and still manage to pay my rent and pay my student, you know, fees? Have and relationships, things? dude. Yeah. I was going to the gym at eleven p.m. I was like, it's eleven. I got to go to the gym. Like, <laughs> what an idiot! <laughs> like, when did I sleep? Oh my gosh, we um, were younger back then. <laughs> we were so young and dumb. I love it. <laughs> Haley, could you share with us what you have coming up for your business, how people can get in touch with you? And if somebody listening is like, 
I'm doing it. I'm just going to bite the bullet, but I cannot do it without Haley's help and guidance. What? Tell us what, what you're working on right now. Yeah. So by the time this episode releases, we will probably be enrolling for podcast launch program, which will be a group coaching program for upcoming podcast hosts. So instead of working one-on-one, I'm basically building what is similar to a mastermind of sorts where you join me for a six-week podcast launch program and we're going to plan, produce, edit all of your podcast content so that you're able to launch within that six weeks. And it'll be a weekly thing where we're going through this program all together. So not sure how many people will get in, hopefully a ton, but I don't want too many. (laughs) So I think I'll probably limit it once we hit a certain number, but I've been dreaming of this since I opened my business. And I decided that this summer would be the summer to do it and that I was going to make it happen because while I love working one-on-one with clients, I can only take on so many. And they also don't have that support of other people going through exactly what they're going through. Right. And that was such a huge missing piece for me, but also a lot of my clients who are going through the podcast process, not alone because they have me, but being able to bounce ideas off of each other and also being able to make connections for interviews because scheduling and rescheduling, as you know, oh my gosh, yeah, it, it takes a lot of time to get people on your show. And that can also hinder how consistent you are in releasing episodes. Because if you're not working ahead to get those, you're falling behind. But this will give podcasters the connection of other podcast hosts who know how important it is to get those interviews done on time. That's my big project that I'm working on. And then I also offer the one-on-one services, ongoing podcast production. And then I have a DIY course called Podcast Launch Kit, where if you're just wanting to take your own pace with a podcast launch, you can, but the course will basically walk you through. I've had someone complete it in a day. (laughs) Like They haven't launched their podcast that day, but they completed the course content all within a day and were able to go back and reference it as they built and launched their podcast. I will say as somebody who's been in two masterminds and I have also, I host group group coaching for my yeah. students, there is something so powerful about getting like-minded folks together who are on a similar journey and can lift each other up. I started out as a coach doing one-on-one mentoring and it was fine because I got to work really intimately with people, but I was like, They're missing out on so much though, not having eight, nine, 10 other women going through this with them and sharing the woes. And it's just, it's like electrifying whenever we get off a call, like a group call. Oh my gosh. It's just like jolting and everybody's excited and doing things. So I highly recommend if anybody's interested in jumping into launching a podcast, I can't imagine a better space than a group coaching mastermind where people Mm -hmm. can just feed off each other and get inspired. And also creating content for a year's worth of, of a podcast, that's a lot of work. Like it, it yeah. would be nice <laughs> to have ideas to bounce off of other people or hear what worked for them and what didn't and just have, have a safe space where you can be really vulnerable. Yeah. Like I had this idea back before I started, before I joined a mastermind. And then once I went through the mastermind, that was a year ago that I went through it and I still to this day talk to every single person that was in the mastermind that I joined. I talked to three of them this morning. Like that's how how valuable that community is. And I really, I want to build that space for people who are trying to launch podcasts because 
you might be the only person in your group that has a podcast and no one else knows what it's like. Right. Or when you're trying to bounce ideas off of someone. Like I think about when I go to my husband and I'm talking to him about marketing ideas or, you know, something to do with my business. And he's like, babe, you remember, I don't, I kind of get it, but I'm not an entrepreneur. I I don't do what you do. I'm not in it every day. And I'm like, just listen to me. Just (laughs) listen to me. Yes. That's your only job. (laughs) I think having that feedback of a community is really, really valuable because I found so much value in it, having that mastermind that I was a part of. Awesome. 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 I cannot wait till that comes out and you start enrolling and see how it goes. Haley, my my last question is when was the last time you did not feel good enough? Ooh, that's a good question. It's hard. It is not an easy question. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest, it it comes and goes. Like there will be days that I get super excited about something I'm working on. So like this program, for example. And then I think, am I experienced enough? Am I qualified enough to teach people how to do this? And I think I think I just feel it every so often in my business as well of, of am I good enough to be doing what I'm doing? And why me? I think that's another thing of why do I have this opportunity? And why was I able to go and build a business? I don't know. I, it happen, I think it happens more often than I'm willing to really admit. <laughs> no, but, I, I'm 100% right there with you, girl. Yeah. But then I, you have to like switch that mindset of, I don't remember who started this, but the why not me? When you're asking yourself, why me? Why not me? Like, why would I not be able to do this? I, I'm qualified. I went to school. <laughs> not yeah. that that matters. Literally, I didn't learn any of this in school. I learned it on my own, but I'm putting in the work and it should be enough. And you have to let your work speak for itself. And I think even, even going through client losses, Maybe I wasn't enough for that client and their needs at that time, but it taught me a lesson. I've learned from it and now I can be enough for the next client. That's so perfectly and beautifully said, Haley. Thank you so, so, so much for being here with us today. If you are interested in reaching out to Haley, launching your own podcast, you'll be able to contact her in our show notes. We'll have all of her information in the show notes. Thank you so much. Go follow her on Instagram. Haley, what's your handle on Instagram? At Haley Gaffin, H-A-Y-L-E-E-G-A-F-F-I-N. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being here. And you take care, everyone.